Hey friends, you're listening to the Student Ministry Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, lead you closer to Jesus, and help you follow Him more faithfully. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. We are closing out a series tonight called Table of Context. The speakers upstairs and downstairs have been a great job of just bringing you guys um, the, the truth from the scriptures. And I wanted to just bring you guys the last, just the last words of this series. We're going to start a new series next week and jump into a whole different thing. Keep the Bible. Um, we're still going to be in our Bibles every week, but... We want to, um, I want to land, if you will, land the plane for the series tonight with a question that I have definitely, man, this has been something that I felt is true, but I want to know if you guys have felt like this is true in your own life. And that question I have for you guys is, uh, just be honest, okay? Just be honest. Do you ever feel like the Bible, God's word, is like overhyped? You know what I mean? Like, you ever feel like it's overhyped where, like, we talk about the Bible and read your Bible and the Bible will change your life and get you, it's it's amazing what the Bible can do. Just just be in your Bible and you'll see everything change. And then you feel like, I don't, maybe you've opened it and you think, I don't just, I haven't just experienced that. Like, maybe there's just some overhype to this. Have you ever just felt like, I don't know why everyone's talking about this all the time because the things that people have said about it, I'm not seeing in my life. It's not changing me. It's not transforming me. It's, it's, not, it's not teaching me things. It's just kind of boring. I don't know how to navigate it. I fall asleep when I'm reading it. It's confusing. It doesn't make sense, right? You guys ever thought those things? That the Bible maybe is just an overhyped book, an ancient book that we've just printed. We kept printing year after year after year. I know in my time in uh, my Christian walk, I've certainly felt that. I don't believe that to be true, like, as a, as a truth, but I know sometimes it feels like that, and our emotions aren't always accurate, even though they always feel real. But I think in, sometimes what happens is in the church, we hold this Bible in such high esteem that we set up people to fail. And immediately, there's some of you who are like, where is he going with this? I promise this, 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 this has a point to it. What I mean by this is, like you've heard, like just read it and God will teach you and he'll show you and he'll transform you and, and your life will change and you'll, you'll grow. Just be obedient to it. So then we do it and we're not immediately changed, right? We're like we don't, we don't walk out of the house after reading some of the, some of the scripture and be like, oh, I'm just so filled up for today, right? Like we've had experiences where like it's just not maybe the hype that we thought that it was, I don't think it's that the Bible is off. It's maybe that our expectation of what this book is might be off. And here's what I mean by that. There's a, it's a big word called expectation. And um, here's what expectation is. It, expectation, think about it this way. How many of you have ever been to like Six Flags or Disneyland or Legoland or any sort of theme park where you've waited in line for something? Just by a show of hands. You've been to some sort of theme park. Okay. Um, like many people, my wife and I love Disneyland. And what Disneyland is a master of is they're a master of managing expectations. So what they do is if you get in line and the true wait for the, for the ride is going to be 40 minutes, they will tell you that the wait time is an hour. Because if you, if you think it's an hour and then you get in line and then you're only waiting for 40 minutes, you think, oh my goodness, that was such a short line. That was awesome. But... 
if the sign were to say 20 minutes, a 20-minute wait time, and then you waited for 40 minutes, you're thinking, oh my goodness, what happened, right? Like, we, it just, it's not what you thought. But it's not that any amount of time that you spent in line is different. It's that your expectation was different, right? If you expected 20 minutes and then waited for 40, well, you're frustrated. And if you expected an hour and only waited for 40, the amount of time you waited didn't change, but your expectation did. So that can lead to being frustrated or being excited about the, the line at Disneyland, right? And I think sometimes the, the, our expectation of the scriptures is kind of like a magic eight ball. Does anyone know what that is? That's like an old thing. All right. You haven't had, you've seen Toy Story at least. If you don't have one, you've seen it, right? You shake it and it tells you what the answers are. You know, it's like, God, am I going to, am I going to meet, meet a boyfriend today? And you're like, it's like, try again, try again next time. That's exactly what my parents say. Or you think, hey, God, am I, are we, am I going to be okay? Nope. Right. You know? We tend to think sometimes, maybe some of us have an expectation that the Bible is a book that has all the answers. And just by opening it, we're going to have all the answers to all of our questions. Or maybe some of us think that our Bible is a little bit more like a a GPS. If you have a phone, you don't need to pull it out, but uh, you probably have some sort of navigation app on it, Apple Maps, Google Maps, whatever, Waze, whatever you guys, your family uses. Um, did you know back in my day, you used to have to print out directions, and then if you got lost, you were just screwed, right? Like, well, sucks to be you. But now, it'll, it'll course correct, right, if you go off course. In the, what's cool about the GPS is you can, you can zoom out, and you can see the whole route that you're going to travel. Maybe sometimes we tend to, we've had the expectation told to us that the Bible will tell you exactly where you need to go and exactly how to get there. Or sometimes... We've been told that our Bible is kind of like this instruction manual for life. Like, here's the instruction manual to my Prius. And, like, if things break or if things aren't going right, I can, I can open this up and I can try to figure out what's going on. This doesn't have all the answers, but it certainly has many answers about how to fix and work on my little Prius. And maybe we've, we've opened the Bible and we thought, we would, the expectation that the Bible is like an instruction manual. Anything that breaks in life... This will fix it. Have you ever heard any one of those three ideas? That's got all the answers. If anything breaks, it'll fix it. It's got all the directions. It tells you exactly where you need to go, right? Like we've heard these things about the Bible. And I think sometimes we have the wrong idea of what this actually is. Because if you think the Bible is any one of those things, like a magic eight ball with answers or a GPS with directions, or an instruction manual with all of how to fix things, you're kind of right. Because it has those things in there. It has answers. It has directions. It will help guide you. It will help fix things that are broken. But if you think the Bible has all of your answers to all of your questions, all the directions of how to live every moment of your life, and all the instructions of how to fix everything that's broken, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be let down. Let's actually look at what the Bible says that the Bible is. It's found in Psalm 119, and it's verse 105. The Bible says it's actually a lot of things, but I want to focus on this one thing tonight. Psalm 19, 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. 
Imagine that. Think about that. A lamp to guide your feet, a light to your path. If any of you have been hiking ever or you've been camping, you've been outside at night, typically you'll have a flashlight. Now, many of us today, we just have our phones that have the flashlight on them, and this has become what we use to get around in the dark, right? Imagine you're walking in the woods, and it's the middle of the day. You're maybe, you're, you're out hiking, you're backpacking, you're doing your thing, whatever. You're out walking in the middle of the day, and the sun's out. The sun lights up everything. You can see where you need to go. You can see really far in front of you. You can, you can maybe even see where you're trying to get to at the end of the day, because the sun lights up everything. There's, there's shadows, but, you know, everything is very bright and very clear. Well, at night, you can walk the same trail, but the little light that you have, because there's no sun, the little light is only going to light up a few feet in front of you. What's the difference between the flashlight and the sun? Is that the sun lights up everything, and the flashlight lights up only the immediate surroundings that you Sun lights up everything, and a flashlight lights up immediately what's around you. So when the Bible says it's a lamp to your feet, the imagery is that you are walking in a path in the dark, and the Bible is like a lamp to your feet. It will light the path up enough, not so that you can see everything, not so that you can have all the directions, not so that you can have all the answers. The Bible will light up enough so that you can keep walking. Just like a flashlight will light up just enough so you can see where you're going. The Bible will light up enough so you can just keep walking. Now, what's cool about the Bible is that God has some promises in there that are eternal and they're secure, right? We know as Christians our final home is to be in heaven with Jesus one day forever, which I think heaven is going to be way cooler than being little angels with wings playing harps on a cloud, right? Heaven, the Bible talks about, is something beyond anything you and I could ever comprehend. And I think... The Bible talks about having been amazing things. So the Bible talks about that for the believer, yes, you know your destination. You know where you're going. You have some truths to hold on to. You have the character and the person of Jesus to hold on to in this life. So it's not like we're completely blind. We can't see anything. But the Bible is simply a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. So while it does have answers and directions and instructions, it never will have everything you want to know. And if you're a note taker, this is probably one of the best things you can write down tonight. Is that the Bible has everything we need to know, but not everything we want to know. The Bible has everything we need to know, but not everything that we want to know. We know the journey. We know what it holds. Eternal promises from a good and faithful God. But the journey is still complicated. Sometimes we get lost. Sometimes things are crazy, right? And so don't hear me say that I'm trying to take the Bible from it being, you know, the expectation of the living word of God because it is. But I think sometimes we have a wrong expectation. That it, has, it has all the answers to everything that ever go wrong. It can fix everything that, that ever breaks. And that it has all the directions for every single thing from here all the way to the destination, right? It does have those things, but what the Bible talks about, it just has those things for us to navigate what's right in front of us. 
what's right in front of us. And here's, I'll kind of show you this. We're going to go Old Testament. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 16. And I'm going to read to you a story. The Israelites just got released from captivity. They were slaves to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. And Moses goes before Pharaoh and says, let my people go. So Pharaoh lets the people go eventually. And they see God do incredible things, all these plagues in Egypt. God parts the Red Sea. They walk through it. And now they're in the wilderness. And they're looking for how God's going to provide for them. How is God going to take care of them in the middle of the desert, the whole nation of Israel? We're going to look at Exodus 16, starting at verse 1. Now the whole community of Israel set out from Elim and this is, I think this is funny, and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. I don't think that's exactly what that, that word is supposed to directly translate to, but um, it's still funny. The wilderness of sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So one month after being out of Egypt, now they're in the wilderness of sin. And... The whole community of Israel is complaining about Moses and Aaron. Here's what they're saying. After being freed from slavery, the Israelites are saying, if only God had killed us back in Egypt. There, at least we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Verse 4, Then the Lord says to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you each day, the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and they will prepare it. There will be twice as much as usual. Now, it's just that part about the sixth day is reminding us that the seventh day is the Sabbath day. It's God's day of rest. So God's like, you're going to be able to rest in the Sabbath, so I'll give you twice as much on day six. So that will carry you through day seven. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints which are against him, not us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning for he has heard your complaints against him. The, vast, uh, the rest of the story goes on to tell about how God rains down manna from heaven and brings quail, meat, into the camp every single day. But here's the catch. Whenever he gave those things to the Israelites, he only gave them enough for the day. There was, you weren't just supposed to like keep extra and hoard it because if you did, it would go bad. And so what God is doing is he is providing for his people and every day, Think about this. Every night when they went to bed, they were out of food. Think about that. Think about living a life like that. Every day when they went, if you go to bed, you're out of food. And you have to wake up the next morning just trusting that God would have manna and quail outside your tent so that you could live another day. God only gave Israel what they needed just for one day. And the truth that we see here that we find so many in so many other parts of the Bible, we'll see this, verse, uh, uh, verse 17. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little, but when they measured it out, everyone had what? Just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. 
What's the point? Why am I telling you the story of bread and manna, uh, manna and quail in the wilderness? Why does this make any connection to what we're talking about with um, the Bible and being a lamp into our feet and a light into our path? Well, just like the word of God, the provision of God, like it's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, it's meant to be just a light that lights up what we can see, that lights up just enough so we can take the next few steps. God's character is showing just like it was showing back in the wilderness of sin, where the Israelites had to trust that every single day God was going to continue to provide. God was going to provide day by day by day. God didn't rain down manna and quail so that they could hold on to it for 40 years. Every day was a new day, a new opportunity to trust God. Friends, God wanted Israel to depend on him. Not the bread, not the quail, to depend on him and to trust him that every day he would take care of them. God wanted Israel to depend on him, not the things that he was giving them. In the same way, God wants us to depend on him and not have all the answers. God wants us to depend on him to show us the way even when we don't know the way to go ourselves. God wants us to depend on him to fix the broken things, not for us to know how to fix all the broken things. So God's word being a light for our feet and a lamp into our path means that we need it for every step. If you're walking in the woods at night, you don't just take a few steps and then like, okay, I'm good, I know what I'm doing, right? Like, turn the light out. No, then it's pitch black. God's word being a lamp unto your feet means that we need it constantly. We need it to be able to know where to go. But we're not going to be able to see the whole way. We're not going to be able to see all the answers. We're not going to be able to see the whole route and the whole journey. We're not going to be able to fix everything and know how to do it ourselves. We're just going to be able to take one next step and one next step and one next step. And so what I want to give you, the best expectation I can give you about this, yes, this is God's word. It is perfect. No one should add or take away anything from this book. It is a sword that pierces between joint and marrow. It is the word of the living God. But the best expectation I can give you comes from the very character of God himself as shown to us in the book of Exodus, that God's word is meant in the life of a Christian to be something that lights up your immediate path. And you know what happens? If you leave your light on the whole hike, eventually you'll get where you're going to go, right? Eventually you'll get there and the light will have been with you the whole time, even though before Backwards is dark and forwards is dark. In the same way, listen, God won't show us everything and teach us everything, give us all the answers and fix all the problems in one, in one moment. But what he will do is he will use his word to guide us just day by day by day by day. And each day that we're in his word, he will give us enough for that day. Each day we're in his word, he will give us enough from that day. And this is why in the church we talk about being in your word every single day as much as you're able to or as many days as you can be in your word because God isn't going to give you all the answers for you to read your Bible. Like, hey, I'm going to read the whole Old Testament in one sitting and then I'm good for the next year. Right? No, God wants to give you what you need for today. He showed it in Exodus, he showed it time and again in the Old Testament. He shows it in the New Testament. And here we are in Psalm 119 where God says his lamp, his his word is a light unto our feet. The best expectation I can give you about God's word 
Yes, it has answers. Yes, it tells us how to fix things. Yes, Jesus works through it and gives us the directions. He does all these things, but more often than not, what God does is just give us what we need for today. And so as you approach God's words, friend, my hope and my prayer is that even if it's just a verse, that you're in it every day so that the Lord may provide for the needs that you have today, for the direction that you need today, for the guide that you need today, for the problems that you have today. If you need help getting started on that, we've got a couple of resources. We've got the 90-Day Bible Challenge back there. Your leaders would be happy to come alongside you and help you get that going. If you need a Bible, we have those. We have all the tools, but you're the one that's got to open the book. If you want to see God at work in your life, shaping you and growing you and teaching you day by day, you got to open this book. Friends, don't tell us that God's not speaking to you if this book is closed. Because the reality is he's trying to speak to you, but the way we hear God's word is to open it consistently, day in and day out, so that he might change us and show us and grow us and teach us and give us answers and give us wisdom and give us direction and fix things day by day by day by day by day as we journey with him. Friends, I don't know where each and every one of you are at today and what you need to hear from God and what problems you're facing in your life or what what direction you're trying to go, or what you are just seeking from the Lord in these moments. But God does. And I promise you, just like the word says, when we open up this book, God's word will not return void. Which means that every time we open this book, even if we feel like we're getting nothing out of it, God's word doesn't come back empty. It always does something in our soul and spirit, even if you don't feel like God's word is at work in your life. So every day, as often as you're able, get in this because God wants to give you what you need, not for your whole life, but for today, day after day after day after day until you've lived your whole life. God knows what you want for today. God knows what you need today. God knows the direction you need today. God knows the problems you face today. And so I want to ask you guys just to go to him with them. We're going to sing a couple worship songs. We're going to be a chance to focus and and realign our hearts. Ben, if you want to come on up and and get ready for that. It's going to be a chance to realign our hearts with God and and to to remember his character. But friends, I, I want to introduce to you guys one more thing. As these guys get ready to play... We're going to start something here. We're not going to do it every week, but it's going to be regular in our youth group. And this idea is the practice, we call it in the Christian world, the sacrament of communion. Communion has meant a lot of things to a lot of people. But the way that we understand it in God's word is that it is remembering that God loved us so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him and his death and his resurrection shall not perish but have eternal life. And so the problems you're facing today, Jesus died for those. The sins that you're struggling with today, Jesus died for those. The things you're wrestling with today, Jesus died for those. The broken things in your life that you want to see fixed, Jesus died for all of those things. And he was raised to new life so that we might also one day be able to put these things behind us and be raised to life with Jesus. That's a lot of Christian words. It's a lot of Christian language I just threw at you, but talk to your leaders about what that what those words mean and, and get the get underneath some of this stuff. But for us today what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate communion. And communion is just simply remembering 
the price that Jesus paid on our behalf when he died on the cross. When we take the bread out of the little thing, the stale, nasty bread, and we bite it, right? It's, it's remembering that Jesus' broken body was broken for you and was broken for me. And we drink the juice, we remember that Jesus' blood was shed for you and it was shed for me. And that his death might be what leads us into everlasting life. Friends, I don't know what you're walking through today, but the Lord does. So as we go into this time of communion, I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe some of you haven't done in a while. I'm going to ask you to create a moment or allow a moment to be present in this room where there's an, where there's an attitude of reverence. And reverence means just kind of like acknowledging that this is kind of a sacred space. This isn't a sacred space. This is the youth room. But as we're remembering what Jesus has done, the sacred space is not this place, but the sacred space is in our hearts as we remember what God has done, as we remember um, his sacrifice for us. So I'm going to ask you, um, this is not the time to distract the people around you. This is not the time to talk. This is not the time to, to let out the comments that you've held on to this whole time. This is not the time to go to the bathroom. This is the time just to dial in. If you're not a Christian, um, what I would just say is that, man, for, for it may not, this thing may not have quite as much meaning. It's just bread and juice if you're not a Christian. Um, but for those of us who are Christian, we believe it, it reminds us of the death and, resurrection, death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ as he shed his body and shed his blood for us. So as you take it, I encourage you to sit. And what the Bible says is to remember the Lord and what he's done on your behalf so that, like the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And all who believe in that shall not perish, but have eternal life. I'm going to pray for that, and then let's enter this time. You don't have to get right up and go right back to communion when you're ready as you're worshiping. If you want to just go back and, and grab the elements, and as you're ready, just remember what God has done for you. Take the bread, take the juice, go for it. Um, and then if you have more questions, if you have more questions, maybe uh, talk to your leaders um, after this, and we'll... Um, be happy to process that with you. So, Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for uh, your word, which is, God, we have high expectations of it because we have high expectations of you and who you are. But, God, re remind us that you didn't promise us that you would teach us everything we want to know. You told us you'd give us everything we need to know. You didn't tell us that you are going to give us all the, direc the directions that we ever want to have. You told us you'd give us the direction that we need to have. You didn't tell us that you're going to give us the fixes for everything that's broken, everything that we want to know. You told us you're going to fix the things that need to be fixed. And God, one day, yes, you will fix everything. Everything that is broken will be made new. And we look forward to that day. God, in the meantime, help us to just lean in and trust your word for today. That we might open your word and see what you have for us. Not for tomorrow, not for next week, not for next month, not for next year, but for today. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Help us, God, protect this, this sacred space as we come to you remembering your broken body and shed blood that you freely and willingly gave on the cross when you died for us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.